0: If we were to ask an athlete what their goal was whenever they were playing in a competition or whether they're on the field, what their goal was, what do you think they would say? Probably most of them would say that they were going to play an excellent game, or maybe they were going to set a new record, that they were going to do something great and they were going to excel. Or perhaps we ask an artist what their goal is whenever they're sculpting or painting something new. What is your goal? And they would say, to create something memorable, something that is pleasing to look at. Or maybe we ask a musician what their goal is, or maybe some great composer what their goal is in life. And they want to create something that's very memorable, something that sticks in your ear. And all of these things would make sense, because we expect them to do something great, to excel at their craft and to really do something great. And we would expect them to excel at that. But imagine for a moment that it wasn't that way. Imagine that we went up to the athlete and we asked them what their goal was, and they said to do a pretty okay job today. Or maybe we asked the artist what their goal was and they said, I want to produce something that's average at best. Or maybe even the composer, something that's mediocre, something that just gets out there and is kind of forgotten about after a little while. Something would seem wrong. Something would seem amiss, because we expect them to create something that's going to be truly great, something that's monumental, something that stands out above the rest, something that is above the average and sticks out above the status quo. And indeed, that's what we expect, especially when it comes to those that are trying to make their name known, or some that are trying to really make something that's truly great or something monumental. And indeed, we should. But what about when it comes to matters of faith? What about when it comes to living out our life? Because we know that the artist, or we know that the athlete, or we know that the musician, they're going to encounter all sorts of adverse things, that they're going to encounter all sorts of difficulties that make it very hard to live out their craft well, but nonetheless they do it anyway. But what about each one of us? What about when it comes to matters of faith? What about when it comes to living our relationship with God? Are we settling for mediocre, or are we trying to live out something truly great? To answer that question, we start out this morning with the book of the prophet Zephaniah. He's not one of the better-known prophets per se, and yet he's still speaking to the, the people of Israel and trying to get them to understand that the Lord is still in their midst, that even in the moments of life, whenever they aren't following exactly as well as they should, that he's still there and he's still faithful. And we know that he's speaking exactly to the people of Israel because he's telling them to follow the Lord with all humility so that they might escape his anger. We know the people of Israel, they tend to oscillate between these two extremes, that on one day they're following the Lord very well, that they're doing his commands, they're following his will, that they're continuing to live life according to the message that has been given to them. But then that other time comes, whenever they fall out of favor with God, whenever they're not following that well, or whenever we see that God's wrath and God's anger is poured out upon them, and we know that they go to that other extreme, and that they tend to bounce back and forth through this, through the entirety of the Old Testament, that they go into God's favor, they go out of God's favor, that they're following God's commandments, and then they struggle. And so the fact that Zephaniah is speaking to the Lord's anger, it gives us that indication that he's speaking to the very heart of the people of Israel. Israel, So he's encouraging them to live in all humility, to escape the Lord's anger, the Lord's wrath, to indeed do right again. But there's more to this story. Because Zephaniah starts to speak to this much smaller, much more elite group of people, the remnant, those that are left behind. And We often think of left behind as terms of something that's put on the down and out. We often think of the people that are just kind of set aside for some sort of weakness. Yet they're set aside for an important and special purpose, because they're the people that are humble and lowly. They're the people that are being called to live life well, to follow the Lord's commands every single day. That they're going to do no wrong, that they're not going to speak falsehood, that there's not going to be a deceitful words found on their lips. And they're the people that are the remnant. What it means is they're the people that are dedicated to following God no matter what. That they're the ones that are excelling at following the Lord's commands. And so it's a continual reminder that Zephaniah is telling them that they should all be a part of the remnant. That they should all be this people humble and lowly. That it shouldn't just be a small elite group of people, but rather it's the entire nation of Israel that's called to be that remnant. That's called to be a people after God's own heart. And so it's not a people that's going to do exactly what the world's doing, but it's rather a people that's going to do what the world is not doing, that they're going to continue to follow the Lord, especially in the moments when it might be most difficult. Then we move on and we hear St. Paul in his first letter to the Corinthians. We know that we've been following this over the past three weeks, that the first week we heard about his greeting to the people of the church in Corinth. And then we also heard last week about how St. Paul was speaking to them and encouraging them not to adopt this sort of tribalistic view, that they aren't simply to follow the disciples of God or the apostles, but rather they're to follow God himself. And so it's a continuing reminder that they're not to follow these disciples, but they're to follow the Lord, and that is what is part and parcel of being a Christian, being an apostle, and being a disciple of the Lord. So he's reminding them to follow. But then we get to this moment, because St. Paul's continuing to delve down into sort of clamp down on exactly what he's going to encourage the church in Corinth to do. So he's reminding them that there are people chosen, there are people taken and set apart, that there are people that are supposed to do God's will at all times, but it's not because of their own strength. Because whenever St. Paul speaks to them, it wasn't because all of them were wise. It wasn't because all of them were strong. It wasn't because all of them are of noble birth. Because there's always this temptation for them because they think that they're on the in crowd, that they've been chosen and selected above other people, that they think that they're the ones that are wise, they're the ones that are strong, they're the ones that have a noble birth. But they weren't chosen because of that. They were chosen for a very simple reason, because they're children of God that they are his created people, the people that are set apart. And so it's not because of any sort of talent or any sort of skill that they have, but it's rather because they've been chosen and set apart by God. And so he's the one that truly makes them wise. He's the one that gives them strength. He's the one that gives them that noble birth through baptism. So he's the one that chooses, he's the one that takes them from all others and really sets them apart as a people to do his work. And so St. Paul gives them this very austere reminder, whoever boasts should boast only in the Lord. That it's not about any sort of skill or any sort of talent they have, but it's rather about the Lord working through them. Then finally we arrive at the Gospel according to Matthew, and we're moving into chapter 5, which begins Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, that he goes up and he sits down, this sign that he's getting ready to speak and to lay out something that's important and something that's essential, that he's getting ready to teach all of his disciples. And we know that this is a moment of great importance because all of the disciples come and gather around, that they're starting to listen and hear what Jesus has to say. What is the very first thing that he has to say? He, can, he lays out these eight Beatitudes. Now, we know the eight Beatitudes, but we also are very familiar with this other list of Ten Commandments. that We've often heard of these, and they start from the Old Testament, and so we've got historic value there. And we often know them as part and parcel of the Christian life. And yet the Ten Commandments often tend to be very negative, at least in view of the spiritual life. Because they're the things that we should do or shouldn't do. They're the bare minimum. They're the essentials. They're the things that we should not break. And so they're always there, but it's a very negative view as far as what it is to be a disciple and a Christian that's following God's will. And so he gives us eight more statements, eight more statements of blessing, telling us what it is to be a disciple, what it is to truly be happy and fulfilled as a disciple. And so what do we hear? Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we hear seven more statements exactly like that, that they remind us of the blessing that those that are following the Lord are going to receive. But notice that it's not just about this life. It's not about what's going to be in the short and the temporary, but it's about what's going to be in the eternal and long-lasting so it's a reminder that all of these statements of blessing, they aren't about living life right here and right now where it's comfortable, but rather seeking that place where we will be comfortable in the future. And so all of these statements of blessing, all of these eight Beatitudes, they give us that reminder that the Lord is encouraging us to live life well, not to seek after the bare minimum, but to truly excel and to exceed expectation, to not settle for the status quo, but to go for what is above. But let's go back for just a moment. Because we have to set out some bare essentials, some important foundations for us to realize exactly what the eight Beatitudes are encouraging us to do. Because if we go back to Zephaniah in the first reading, there's that reminder to all the Israelites that they are a people that are chosen and set apart. They're a people that are to do God's will, that they're kind of set aside, but for an important and special purpose. But do you believe that? Do you believe that you're a person and that you're a part of a people that are set apart to do God's will? Do you believe that you're chosen, that you're taken from amongst all the rest and that you're the one that is chosen to do God's will in a special and particular way? Because so often we can get this idea that we just kind of fade into the midst of everyone else. And yet the very fact that you're here this morning or that you're listening to this message tells you something important. That you're a person that's chosen to do God's will. That you're not simply to set as if the world doesn't really matter or if you're just one amongst many. But in fact, you're one that's chosen to do God's will in a powerful and particular way that God has a special design and special plan for each and every one of us, that we are a part of that remnant. We are the people that are set apart from the world to do God's will in a powerful and particular way. But We have to believe that first, because if we don't, then we're not really going to go about that work. But nonetheless, you're a person that's chosen, that you're taken from amongst all the rest and chosen to do God's will, that you're a people that are going to do God's will and to seek God's purpose in your life. But then we also recognize in St. Paul in his first letter to the Corinthians, that church at Corinth, that we're not a people that are simply set apart because of any sort of asset that we have. That we're not set apart because we're particularly wise, because we we're of noble birth, because we're strong, because we're good looking, because of any other trait that we might have. But We're set apart because we've been chosen by God. That's all the reason we need, because in fact, he's the one that's going to bestow wisdom. He's going to bestow strength. He's going to bestow that noble birth upon each and every one of us to help us to do his will in this life, because we know it's not easy. We know that it's very difficult to follow, not just the Ten Commandments, not just the eight Beatitudes, but indeed to follow God's very will in our life. That It's not always easy, but God wants to give us that strength. He wants to give us that noble birth and that wisdom that comes from on high to live life well. And so he's going to give us all of those things that we don't need to boast in ourselves, that we don't need to say that we have it all together ourselves, but rather we need to say that in the Lord we find that we have it all together, that because of that we can boast. And so we we're reminded that we're a people that are indeed blessed because we're set apart by God, but indeed we're given God's favor and God's strength in our life as well. But then finally we arrive at these eight statements of blessing, these eight beatitudes telling us happy are those who do all of these things. And it's something of an ironic statement in each and every one of them because we expect all these people to be on the down and out, to be sad, to be dreary because of the ways that they're lacking, the ways that they have these desires on their heart, and yet they're not being fulfilled. They're not being fulfilled just yet. Because the fact of the matter is, when we look at these eight statements of blessing, they're a reminder to us that we're to seek of the things that are above that we are to continue to seek after the kingdom of heaven, that place where every desire and every longing of our heart is going to be fulfilled, and the Lord wants to remind us of that fact, because he's always here, and he's always listening to us, and he wants to remind us of the work that we still have to do, even as that remnant, even as a people that are taken and chosen from all others, that he wants us to continue to be faithful, even in the moments when it seems most difficult. So these eight Beatitudes give us that encouragement to do that thing that is different, to excel, to exceed expectation in this life, because it's going to give us favor in the future, that it's truly going to pave the way for us to enter the kingdom of God. But it also gives us another insight into God's own heart, because if we realize what these eight statements are doing, they're telling us about all of those ways that we can feel sorrowful, the ways that we can feel afflicted, or perhaps we can feel that we're left behind. Maybe we feel like everybody else is moving on in life and we're the ones that are stuck, or maybe we feel like we're under extraordinary strain, or maybe we've got a lot of sorrow or a lot of sadness in our life. Maybe we're disappointed with others. Maybe we feel like the Lord isn't listening to our prayer at this time, or he's being very slow to answer. But these eight Beatitudes tell us something important. Because they tell us that the ones that are blessed, the ones that are happy, those aren't the ones that are getting their prayers answered here in the short term. They're the ones that are faithful. They're the ones that continue to follow God even in the moments when it seems the hardest. They're the ones that are the artist that continues to work on their craft day and night. They're the ones that are the athlete that continues to push themselves to the limits of what they can do. They're the ones that are the composers that even in the midst of the night are getting up and continuing to work on that piece of music because they're the ones that continue to remain faithful even in the moments when it seems bleak or dreary, or the moments when it seems like we're getting no reward at all. Because the Lord reminds us that it is important and imperative to follow all of these different commandments, all of these beatitudes, but it may not yield us results just yet, but it's going to yield us an abundance if we excel now, because it's going to give us that path towards the kingdom of God. But my brothers and sisters, as we consider all of these eight beatitudes, Which one of them spoke the most to your heart this morning? Where do you feel like you need the Lord to answer the desires and longings of your heart right now? Where are you hungering and thirsting for righteousness? Where do you feel like you're the one that is poor in spirit? Where are those moments where you need the Lord to encounter you right now? Because, in fact, in matter, the Lord is reminding us that we're not left to do the spiritual life alone, that we're not meant to try to excel at the spiritual life on our own terms, but, in fact, he wants to give us that ability, and he wants to give us that power to excel, to go above the average, to go above what is mediocre in the status quo, that he wants us to excel and to exceed expectation, but he wants us to do it by his grace. That even in the moments when we feel sorrowful or we feel that the Lord's not listening or we feel that life is difficult, that the Lord wants to give us that grace and that encouragement and that assurance that he's always there and that he's giving us his grace nonetheless. So my brothers and sisters, we know how an athlete, we know how an artist, or we know how a musician, how they continue to seek after the excellence that is theirs in their craft. It should be up to each and every one of us to live that out in our own spiritual life to continue to seek the ways that God is calling us forward, the ways that God has chosen us and taken us from all others, the ways that God gives us grace and gives us strength from on high so that we boast not in ourselves but in the Lord, but most importantly, how blessed and how happy we are if we truly follow the Lord and his commandments and even these eight Beatitudes. My brothers and sisters, let's continue to be faithful, not settling for what is mediocre and not settling for what is average, but let's truly seek what is above and truly seek after our Lord and our God and the kingdom of heaven day in and day out.